thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to Women's Football Digest. Another action-packed half hour for you today. We've got WSL and we've got international football with the Nations League coming up. But first, I'm going to let you in to know a little secret. There's never been a more exciting time in the women's game. And with Women's Football News, you'll always know what's going on. So Women's Football News is our brand new monthly magazine. All of the writers that you see here today are featured in it with features, interviews and expert opinions. We also have columnists Sue Smith and Jackie Oatley sharing their views on the hottest topics in the game. Whether it's the Lionesses, youth or grassroots, it will be a detailed analysis. We'll talk about international news and women's football news. We'll have it all covered. So welcome again to today's show. My name is Natasha Henry. We have Hannah with us today. How are you, Hannah? I'm good, thank you. Great. And Beth, how are you going today? Yeah, good. Excited to get stuck into all the biggest talking points from the last week. Love it. And Megan, we haven't seen you for a while. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I've been on the sidelines, I guess, but I'm glad to be uh, back in the starting 11. Never on the sidelines, always part of the squad, always. Um, We had another very busy WSL weekend. So we started early. Uh, Aston Villa 2, Spurs 4. Tottenham really becoming the underdogs of the season and surprising a lot of people. Leicester lost their game to Manchester City 1-0. Everton, appalling result. Beth will talk to you a bit about that. Uh, 5-0 against Man United, Chelsea beat Brighton 4-2, West Ham and Liverpool drew one all, and Arsenal got the win at Bristol. Manchester City, Beth, let me come to you and start with that. I know you tipped them as being one of the challengers this season. How impressed have you been with them so far? Yeah, very impressed. I actually, yeah, I looked back the other day at my predictions for the mirror and I actually predicted Chelsea to win, but I think I've been umming and ahhing over whether to put City or, or Chelsea. And I'm quite, I'm regretting my decision not to put City because I think they look very strong. Um, you know, I was impressed with them last season. Um, I think they had, you know, obviously a couple of, of dips in form across the campaign that, that let them down in the end and ultimately saw them miss out on, on Champions League football. So, um, but I think, you know, they, they, they've done well in, in the sense that they've not sort of, they had a big sore window last season um, and this season they've kept it to a minimum. They've brought in Jill Rod, who is a, you know, a, a top quality player. She's shown that already for Manchester City this season. And I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, when you've already got a team that have, have a real sort of high quality of player and then you add someone of Jill Rod's calibre, it's, you know, I think having that settled, you know, squad and then just making that, that odd addition is is really um is really sensible. So obviously very early days, but I've been been impressed with them. And you know, obviously it was a little bit of a goalkeeping howler that saw Chloe Kelly take give Manchester City the lead on Saturday against Leicester. But I think sometimes when you're, you know, when you you're challenging for a title, you need those things to go for you sometimes. And I think, you know, they 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 got the, the look that they deserved and the look that they've deserved over the course of the season. So yeah, I've been really impressed with them and I think they will definitely be Chelsea's closest challengers this season. I mean, we're not ignoring the other teams, obviously. We'll talk about them later. But Hannah, if you if you think about 
Chelsea and City right now, which camp would be the happiest, you know? I mean, we expect Chelsea to win, I think, and maybe some people who are new to Women's Super League might be surprised by Man City. Yeah, I mean, personally, I would say Gareth Taylor would probably be the happiest of of the two managers just in terms of the expectations that Chelsea set every year. I still don't quite think Chelsea are at their best, which is probably a good thing in a sense, given that they've probably still got another gear or two to move up. But, um, you know, they they struggled a little bit against Tottenham. I think it was a very, very late goal against West Ham that sealed the win. Um, Obviously, struggled to break down a, a... nine-player Manchester City team and fell behind against Brighton. Obviously, came back in in emphatic fashion in the end, but you know they still went a goal behind and struggled for a while to get back into it. So they're getting the results, but the performances are maybe not quite there for Chelsea at the moment, which is why I think there maybe might be a little bit of frustration for, for Emma Hayes in terms of how to get this team clicking again and, and firing all, on all cylinders. Whereas... Manchester City for me, they, they, they've had a lot thrown at them this year in terms of, you know, the red cards in the early games, going down to nine players against Chelsea and, and things like that. And they, they've come through it unscathed and still sort of yet to lose a game. So, um, yeah, probably Gareth Taylor would be the happier of the two. But I mean, from Chelsea's perspective, it's, it's not a bad position to be in when you're maybe not quite at your best. Yeah, I think we we all agree. We all have a lot of love for Emma Hayes and, and the Chelsea team. Megan, even though, like Hannah said, there may be a, on the third gear, how scary will it be for everyone else if they do, you know, really kick into fifth gear? And should the other teams be worried? Um, I mean, I think you always have to be worried about Chelsea. They've got four uh, league titles on the, on the trot. So there's a reason why they're good at it. And last season we were having the same conversation. We were saying that they were starting slow. They didn't look like themselves, yada, yada, yada. And they still went and won the FA cup and they won the league. So I think this is just kind of what Chelsea do. They have slow starts and then they sort of just get into gear when everyone else starts to maybe fall to the wayside a little bit, but it's been actually really interesting with Chelsea. Cause if you go look at who's, down the back of the net for them. They've had multiple different goal scorers, which is something that maybe like other teams are going to have to struggle with. You know, they're going to maybe be relying on like one or two or three, whereas Chelsea, you saw says new skin over, over the weekend, she got a hat trick. I don't think many people expected her to be sort of the game winner. So no, I think people should still be worried about Chelsea. I think you always have to be worried about Chelsea, but it's nice to see more parity in the league. And, you know, I think Emma Hayes will welcome that with open arms. Yeah. I mean, she's been vocal about the, the competitiveness of the league. I think we all agree. That's how we we all really enjoy. Beth, what is going on at Everton? That's that's literally what I've written down to ask you. <laughs> um, it's such a difficult one because I think you, you see five 0 and particularly in the context of Everton's season with them having lost their opening two games, you do think is it a little bit of a crisis? But you know, having been down at, at Walton Hall Park to watch that game, I don't think the scoreline is is reflective of, of the way the game went really I think Manchester United were very good don't get me wrong and obviously had a little bit of a point to prove they were without a win in two going into that game in the WSL he obviously crashed out of the Champions League at the hands of PSG a few days previously so it sort of felt that you know they that they needed to put in a, a statement performance I think the first half it was quite an evenly matched game I think Everton 
could and should have perhaps taken the lead through uh, Nico Sorensen. She fired over the bar from about eight yards out. And then within sort of two minutes, Melby Mallard had gone and put United ahead at the other end. And I think that just shows you that, you know, for teams like Everton, for teams outside of those elite sides, that when you get opportunities against, you know, the top three, the top four, you have to put them away. And, you know, they're punished very quickly for that. But they restricted United to, to not an awful you know, a lot of chances really. Um, and then I think the second half, um, it, the game changed once United went 2-0 up, whether the players sort of felt that they weren't going to get anything out of the game from that point on. Uh, Brian Sorensen made a couple of, of attacking substitutions to try and sort of spur Everton on. And I think once he'd done that, you know, defensively, they, they were lacking a little bit. And, you know, I think when they took Justine Van Havermaet and, and Aurora Gali off about 60 minutes in, they conceded three goals after that. And I think sort of, Sorensen had surrendered some of that stability, um, you know, defensively to, to try and get them being a bit more of an attacking outlet. So, yeah, a bad result, of course. Um, you never want to lose 5 0, regardless of who it's against. But I'm still not too worried about them. I think they've definitely got enough in the tank, but they've got some tough games coming up. You know, obviously, we've got the international break now, but when they come back, they've got Tottenham, who we've said, you know, that they're in excellent form. They've got Chelsea. Uh, so the games are coming thick and fast. And, you know, once you start getting into sort of that Christmas period when games are sort of, you know, every every couple of days and, and you've only got a few points on the board it becomes quite a, it can become quite a desperate situation so I'm hopeful that they will sort of be able to pick up a little bit after the international break because obviously not the result that they would have wanted on Sunday I feel like there's a lot of similarities between Everton and Vela in terms of managers that have come in and really had an ethos Hannah, I know, I know you spend a lot of time down at Villa. Carla Ward will not be a happy, a happy manager right now. Basically, I mean, what is what are they struggling with? What's what's the problems for Villa at the moment? I think it's probably a bit of an accumulation of things. I think maybe sort of that weight of expectation might be holding them down a little bit in terms of. Last year, they were a bit of an unknown quantity. People didn't really expect Villa to be up there and challenging. And then they really shocked everyone this year. I think, you know, everyone is talking about them as that team to challenge the top four. And and so far, they've not delivered. Um, You know, I think keeping a consistent squad was important over the summer and they've added quality to that. I think they've been hampered now a little bit by the fact that two of their main players um, have been out in the first few games of the season obviously Ken Zadali with that injury Kirsty Hansen getting the red card against United and having to serve a three game suspension I think it's maybe not spoken about enough just how important they were to everything good that, that Villa did last season and Ken Zadali especially that sort of link up that she had with Rachel Daly it was telepathic at, at times last season and I think with Ebony Salmon and Adriana Leon coming in, both are very exciting players. Both have a lot to give, but at the moment, I just don't think it's quite clicking. And um, in terms of defensive work as well, it, it's not quite there. Obviously, Kirsty Hansen's a kind of player that that will trap back loads, whereas Ebony Salmon maybe not so much. So, in that respect, it Carla Wall's probably had a hand force that she's had to sort of bed those players in a little bit quicker and, and at the front of things rather than sort of 
a little bit slowly and, and sort of ease them in. And hopefully after the international break and um, Ken Zadali should be back from injury against Chelsea and obviously Kirsty Hansen will have served a suspension by that point. So hopefully those two coming back will sort of shore things up a little bit and get them back into the swing of things. But it is a concerning time because obviously it is a game against Chelsea and then that could be another game without a win. Um, and obviously the longer that you go without a win, the, the more concerning of a, of a position that you're in. And after last season, the last thing you want to see is, is Aston Villa anywhere near a relegation fight. Yeah, I, I think we agree with that. Megan, you were at Bristol City v Arsenal for us. Um, more goals for Bristol City, which I think is really important for, for a newly promoted team. But Arsenal with another win, did they really deserve the win or was it just, you know, they're maybe a bit more experienced at Bristol City to get the result over the line? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of those kinds of things. I mean, Arsenal had loads of pressure. They had loads of chances. They didn't necessarily take those chances. Execution was definitely a problem. But Bristol City, you know, they gave them a tough match. They sat really deep in a low block. And that's been something that Jonas has sort of described as a big challenge for his team. A number of teams have played Arsenal that way. And they've, you know, had a bit of luck and in, in a, in a, had a bit of like good results with it. So that's something Arsenal need to learn how to break down. But I thought Bristol defensively, they showed a lot of fight, a lot of grit, a lot of resilience. I don't think anyone expected that. Um, you know, the first three minutes, Olivia Clark making her WSL debut, she's called in to make a save against Steph Catley. And you can kind of hear the crowd. They were like, yeah, this is how this game is going to go. And, you know, Katie McCabe fired from just, I mean, a beautiful strike and got Arsenal in the lead. It just sort of seemed like it was going to be one of those games where you had to wonder how many goals were going to go in. And Bristol to you know, like to their credit, didn't let that happen. You know, they got a goal back quickly and, and Arsenal really labored and they had to have another sort of Katie McCabe moment in order to get them across the line. So it was, it was good. And it was nice to see from Bristol because they haven't had, you know, the, the kindest of starts to the season, but you know, with Arsenal, again, it goes back to that execution and they need to learn how to take their chances if they are going to sort of push City and push Chelsea at the top. But, you know, they had Medima and Mead come back on and within seconds of those two coming on, you could see that there was just a little bit more about Arsenal. So like, you know, it's going to be a time, it's going to be a bit of time before those two come in and can play like 90 minutes. But I mean, they almost got a goal together within like 10 seconds of Mediba coming on. So yeah, if Arsenal can have any sort of hope, it's going to be from those two being able to provide that edge that they've been missing. Yeah, um, I mean, Arsenal, Hannah, they're, they're definitely getting, well, the last two, they've got the results without maybe the performance that, you know, warrants the results. Is is it concern for Arsenal fans? Obviously, they've been, well, I'm talking for myself, we've been knocked out of the Champions League already. You know, we didn't have the start to the season we would want. I, I'm nervous. Should I be nervous? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of see on social media, Arsenal fans at the moment are, are not too happy with, with the way that things are going. It's it's a stressful time, really. I, I just, obviously, with, with the certain players coming back, I, th I think that will be a major boost that they need. But ultimately, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think the performances have been there. Obviously, they got beat by Liverpool in the first game and... You know, since then against Aston Villa, it took two very, very late goals in stoppage time. It took a goal in stoppage time to get something against Manchester United as well, and against Bristol City, they they were pegged back and things like that. So, I, I think there is a lot of concern with with the performances at the moment. They they don't look as solid as they normally do defensively, for one, and they seem to be 
struggling, like Meg said, to, to break down those low block teams. It seems to be a lot of aimless crosses that, that don't seem to cause, you know, the opposition defence too many problems. And, and playing the ball back. They seem to be obsessed with playing the ball back as opposed to crossing it into the box as yeah, well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as, it's not the sort of clinical sort of intense Arsenal team that you know we've come to expect you know over the years Arsenal have been such a good team capable of sit you know beating teams you know like Bristol City seven or eight nil you know and and results like that you know absolutely clinical and they're not quite clicking at the moment and again whether or not it's something to do with the World Cup and things like that with you know obviously we saw that was probably the main reason they got knocked out of the Champions League you know that that was tough for them so at the moment I, I do struggle to see um Arsenal being that that sort of third Champions League spot, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, unless they can really sort of turn things around and and actually start putting in the performances that warrant the results, as you said, um, I, I do think they'll struggle a bit this season. I mean, one of the beauties of this this season is that the results are unexpected. The the teams at the top. You know, your Leicesters, we're not expecting to see them there. We're expecting Aston Villa to be winning games at Everton. Beth, Liverpool, another team who had a, another great start to the season. They loved the opening day. Um, but, you know, they've drifted off in recent weeks. But do you feel they have this, based on their previous results so far this season, they have a confidence that they're not going to be worried about what happened this weekend? Yeah, I think it was a blow for them. Um, obviously, they, they were winning against West Ham for about 40 minutes or so. And then it gets to sort of the 95th minute, three minutes left of stoppage time. And, and Rio UAT bundles in an equaliser for West Ham. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a blow for them because I think getting three points against West Ham there would have been sort of a, a marker a marker for the rest of the league, really, that Liverpool are a team to watch because, you know, they'd have been going into the international break. I think they'd have been fourth in the table. They'd have been one point off the top of the league um, after some really tricky games as well. Um, so, you know, I think it was slightly disappointing, maybe a little bit of a reality check that they're, you know, I mean, they're still in sixth place. They're still only a few points off the top. So I think, you know, still overall, they've had a really positive start to the season. I think Matt Beard says if they could get sort of seven to nine points from their opening four games, he'd be pleased. They're on seven. So, they, you know, they're at least sort of keeping pace with the target that he's set for them. Um, so I think there's still lots of positives for them to take. I certainly don't think that they'll be, you know, troubled by any sort of relegation worries this season. I think it, it's more now about how do you close the gap on those those big sides. And I think, you know, that there were times last season I was going into, to, you know, going down to watch Liverpool play and against sort of the, the tougher opposition, the top four sides and thinking, you know, this could be a bit of a maul in. And then actually... You know, I think this season going into any game, I would feel that Liverpool could give any side to run for the money. And I think that's a testament to to some of the business that they've done over the summer and, and the players that they've brought in. And I think there's there's a bit of a mentality shift that's happened really. And you know, I think the players now feel like they're part of a project that's a really exciting one and, and could really go places in the in the upcoming seasons. So yeah, I think they've had a overall I think I'd be disappointed to have not, you know, could have beaten Everton the other week, that they could have beaten with them someday and you know, I think you have to pick up those points if you want to be sort of competing for anything in this, in this league. But equally, I think they've made a solid start to the season. I'm excited to see where they go with the rest of the company. I mean, we've, we've still got a few teams to cover. Megan, I know you have a bit of an obsession with Tottenham and Robert Villaham. I know you're very impressed. Um, 
as am I, even as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> what has he changed at the club other than Martha Thomas, who has been absolutely superb? What are the key things we should be looking out for, Tottenham? And can they really challenge that top four? Yeah, um, I was um, obsessed with him, but I, I do admire them. I think what he's done is is incredible, particularly after last season. You know, Spurs were sort of like Villa. You know, they finished fifth and it was like, cool, they're going to challenge for the top four. And then it was just sort of this woeful season and Beth England comes in and she's sort of the salvation. But Robert Willem has really reinvigorated the squad. He plays in a 4-2-3-1. The midfield's really good. He's got Olga and Eva there and they speak Finnish to each other in the game. And it's sort of like this quick fire, really good kind of energy between them. Grace Clinton coming in at the number 10. There's a reason why she's been called into the England squad. She's sort of been able to provide this sort of midfield forward link that wasn't really there. Beth England was kind of providing that last season while also scoring the goal. So what he's done is just sort of it's he sort of like re sort of designed the offense but he's also said like he's just given a lot of these players trust a lot of these players haven't really been trusted before at whatever sort of club they were at previously or even like in the squad earlier is kind of what he was insinuating and instead he sort of trusted them to go out and you know execute the game plan he's given them and it's it's reaping a lot of dividends martha thomas is is you know all the evidence you sort of need for that this is a player who Last season with Man United was reduced to, you know, she made 20 appearances, but she was averaging like 19 minutes per appearance. She scored one league goal. And it just, you know, she didn't sort of scream clinical striker. And then she comes into Tottenham. She scored six goals. She's leading the the league in goal scored. And, and she looks just good. She looks in good form. She looks confident and, you know, confident strikers they're going to produce. So I'm really impressed with what they've done, especially without Beth England on the pitch. You know, I don't think any of us expected that to happen, like Spurs to be anywhere near um, sort of the, the top end of the table without Beth. But no, it's it's been really impressive. And I think when Beth comes back, it, it Spurs are going to are gonna look really good. I don't know if they're going to keep up this form, but, you know, maybe there's some big things happening at Spurs. So who, who knows? He, Robert seems like a really sort of strong... Like he's, he's got his strong values. He's got his qualities. He wants to keep sort of honing those. And yeah, if he can, if he can keep that up and he can keep the faith in the players, I I don't see why Tottenham can't sort of maybe try to push definitely for a top half finish. I mean, we see managers with with a strong ethos all the time. Everton and, and Aston Villa are really strong examples of that, how well they did last season. Last but not least, Hannah Leicester, obviously, their start to the season surprised all of us. Um, they lost to City this weekend, which is not really a bad result, given that it's Manchester City they're playing. But I know you spend a lot of time there and, and Willie Kirk and the players are really, really um, ambitious this season. Do we think that they're going to be another surprise, like much like Tottenham are? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's the pessimist in me that obviously after their really good start that said, oh yeah, but Manchester United will be the test. You know, I, I struggled to see them coming through that. And then they did, they got, got the draw. And then next week on, it's like, oh, well, it's Manchester City. You know, that's going to be a tough test. And ultimately they, you know, they did lose the game, but to restrict Manchester City to one goal, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, a very good game. I, I, I caught it on um, the BBC after, you know, because I covered Villa that day and I was really, really impressed with, with Leicester, obviously. And it's frustrating in the sense that it was a, a bit of a mistake from Janina Leipzig that, you know, nine times out of 10, she saves that. And, you know, just that, that one time, you know, Chloe Kelly strike goes in and City did 
challenge at times and, you know, had a lot of chances after that. But so did Leicester. You know, that there was times in that game that I was just absolutely baffled that, you know, somehow Leicester didn't score, somehow it was kept out. And, you know, that that very easily could have been a draw as well. Um, you know, if just one of those chances goes in and, and they they weren't sort of half chances, they were pretty good chances. So um it's it, you know it compared to sort of where they were at this time last season it, it's absolutely sort of phenomenal and that mentality shift has been happening for quite a while obviously it sort of started when Woody Kirk came in and, and into the new year when they sort of turned down that that sort of seven point deficit which is you know had never been done in the WSL before um so they made history in a sense there and and it's just continued over the summer and I think with new signings coming in as well with a lot of experience a lot to give it's it's a really exciting time at the moment and sort of I guess similar to Liverpool in a way that there's this project that's going on that everyone's buying into and um you know it's a really exciting squad to be part of and I think the big thing as well is is they are starting to really believe in themselves, I think. And, you know, they, they trust that the King Power will be a tough place for a lot of teams to go this year. And, you know, they are going to be a tough team to beat. And as long as they have that confidence in themselves, which I, I think was lost a lot at times last season, I, I don't think the players at times believed that they were capable of going out and getting you know, a result against your likes of Manchester United and, and Man City and Chelsea. Whereas this year, I think they do. Um, and... I think that will serve them quite well. So whether or not, you know, they'll sort of be capable of doing, I guess, what Villa did last year, I'm, I'm not so sure just yet. It would be too early to say, but absolutely, I, I think they can challenge for a top half finish and, and hopefully keep doing what they're doing. I mean, I love an underdog, sorry. <laughs> Go on, Villa. Um or Leicester, sorry. So we have a double header in the Nations League, which is England and Belgium. So the first game will be at the King Power Stadium on Friday. Hannah, you're going to be there for us. What are we expecting to see from England? Obviously, this has not been an easy group like they used to, you know, going through first or second. They're currently third. Are we expecting Serena to change things? Um, maybe not so much in terms of the lineup, but. I, I do expect a sort of different performance. I, I think last international break, it could could have been expected in a way, given that they're still sort of trying to get over that heartbreak of the World Cup final and, and everything like that. And obviously players are tiring and, and things like that. And obviously Belgium won at the World Cup, I don't think. So, um, you know, a lot of their players are probably a bit more fresh. Um, but from an England perspective, I, I do just want to see a better performance in, in terms of what we've seen, you know, against the Netherlands especially. And, um, you know, defensively just look a bit solid. And uh, last international break, I think I've been a little bit frustrated with England at times, just in terms of the passing and things like that, you know, just in terms of it being a bit more clean and not giving the ball away in, in silly situations and, and not ultimately causing our own sort of problems, if that makes sense. So, you know, that's what I hope to see and expect to see from England, especially because Carol Walsh is back in the squad this international break as well. Obviously, she wasn't, I don't think she was in the squad against Scotland or, or the Netherlands. So um, that that's a big boost to have Carol Walsh back. So um, yeah, a little bit more control and a bit more clinical as well. And, and just, yeah, the performance-wise is, is where I want to see the improvement with England. I think we're all excited when we see Frank Kirby back in the squad as well. Beth, I know you've been speaking to some of the Belgium squad recently. I mean, have they given you any insight into how they're feeling? Are they confident? Do England really need to go and put on a, a 10 out of 10 performance? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I had a, had a little chat with Justine and Harvamart, who's obviously signed for Everton in the summer, and um, and yeah, asked her a little bit about how how Belgium are feeling ahead of this one. I mean, they're obviously top of the group at, at the moment, which um, has probably gone under the radar a little bit. They obviously beat the Netherlands, which was a huge result. I don't think people maybe had particularly high expectations for for Belgium, um, so I think. It, it was it was interesting to speak to her actually because she said sort of suggested that they may have been underestimated a little bit. You know, she conceded it's going to be incredibly difficult um, against England. That it's going to be a tough game. They're one of the best teams in the world, um, but I think you know Belgium are a young team and and they're um, they're an exciting team really. And I don't really fully know if, if England can be able to predict what what they're going to bring because I think they are quite a young team. So. Um, yeah, I think it will be a really tough game. I think England, as Hannah said, definitely needs to, to up the game. I, I mean, we can't underestimate, can we? You know, that last into an international break when they were a little bit underwhelming. You know, that they weren't long. You know, off, off coming back from Australia, they hadn't started the domestic season yet, so the players were probably a little bit tired, a little bit rusty, um, and obviously, sort of emotionally, had to deal with the burden of, of losing the final in, in the manner that they did. So. Um, you know, I think now hopefully the players will have some domestic football under the belt, might be a little bit more up for it, a little bit more energised. Um, but yeah, I think Belgium will definitely give them a, a tricky couple of games. Um, and they will have England will have to sort of refine the, the best form if they're to, to come through both of the, those games with a win. Because obviously, as, as we know, you know, the, only the, the top two teams from this competition end up qualifying for the Olympics. And I think at this moment in time, it's a little bit touch and go in England are going to be. You know, among that group, and you know, we know that that this obviously it'll be team GB, but we know that a lot of these players will be in that squad, and they want to be competing for every trophy and every every accolade going. So they they won't want to miss out on Olympic qualification. So yeah, I'm hoping England sort of step up the game a little bit um, in this international break. Of course, I mean, Megan, we know that England, I mean, beat Belgium comprehensively at the Arnold Clark Cup, and and like Beth was saying, this is maybe a slightly different Belgian team, but fresher, but younger. Do you think England really need to worry about these next two games? I think they always have to worry about games coming up. I think the floor for women's football on the international stage has just been lifted. So teams are capable, like we saw in the Women's World Cup, teams that maybe historically England could swat to the side or, or maybe not like you say, worry about that. That's not really the case anymore. And yeah, like, like Beth said, this is a change squad. Just looking at the squad that played in the six, one win against, or yeah, England six, one win against Belgium. Um, Belgium have made five changes. Like if you look at the squad that they played against Netherlands. So you, that's, that's a lot of changes. It's, it's, it's pretty substantial. And yeah, I think England needs to watch out, but I also think that, you know, after one sort of poor international break that tends to sort of click into gear and real and like teams tend to realize, right, we need to sort of get our, get our ship in order. And I, I think England are going to be fine with doing that. Serena knows how to sort of whip a, whip the team back into shape. And I think the malaise from any sort of world cup hangover is definitely going to be over. It'll be an interesting international break because obviously all the WSL teams will hope players don't come back with injuries. I'm going to be cheeky and ask you all for your score predictions for Friday's games. If we start with you, Hannah. Um, I, I struggle to see England not conceding. Um, so I, I, I reckon it'll be a little bit tighter than, than we might expect. So I'll go for a 2-1 win, hopefully, to England. <laughs> Beth, 
Um, I think I'll go 3-1 just because I think sort of the home crowd might just give England that little bit of extra edge, but I think it will be pretty closely contested for, for most of the game. And Megan? Um, I'll off my devil's advocate. I'm going to say 2-1 like Hannah, but I'm going to say it's going to go to Belgium. Oh, oh, I like this. Um, thank you so much for joining us all again today. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Megan. Um, we are going to get off and we will see you again next Tuesday because we're going to have an early show. So um, check our socials, reach or our women's football, sorry, and you can find out when to watch us. Thank you. Thank you.